This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. One night in 1983, a prostitute named Ellen was with a client in Union Cemetery. Kern County Sheriff's Deputy David Keith Rogers, on duty, cruising through the cemetery in his patrol car, interrupted this encounter. Caught Ellen and the John in the act, caught them red-handed. The couple scrambled to put on their clothes. Deputy Rogers detained both of them. He questioned the John, but after a short time, allowed him to leave. Now that Deputy Rogers was all alone with Ellen in the cemetery, he ordered her to get in his patrol car. He questioned her more there in the back seat. Then he told her to get out of the vehicle. Once outside, in the dark and secluded Union Cemetery, Deputy Rogers ordered Ellen to disrobe. He shined his flashlight on her as she undressed. Then he photographed her nude body, taking close-up Polaroid pictures of her breasts and genital area. Rogers put the camera in the car and told Ellen to get dressed, put her in the back seat of his patrol car. The deputy drove her to a Union Avenue motel and dropped her off. Ellen didn't let this encounter slide. She filed a complaint with the Kern County Sheriff's Office. After an investigation, internal affairs determined Deputy Rogers abused his authority. He was fired, terminated, from the Kern County Sheriff's Office in March 1983. David Rogers appealed his firing to the California Civil Service Commission. During this appeal process, Ellen, the sex worker who initiated the original complaint, the one who Rogers took nude pictures of in the cemetery, she failed to appear for the hearing. Without her testimony, there wasn't much the Kern County Sheriff's Office could do to justify Rogers' termination. The Civil Service Commission reduced David Rogers' punishment to a 15-day suspension. He returned to duty as a Kern County Sheriff's Deputy in June 1983. Over the next few years, Deputy Rogers' encounters with sex workers became more violent. His hatred for prostitutes turned to murder. This is Killer Cop. Remember, I welcome suggestions for future stories. If you have a story idea, you can contact me through the website, NotoriousBakersfield.com. Click the contact link to send me a message. And while you're at NotoriousBakersfield.com, you can show your support. Click the support link to buy me a cup of coffee. Be sure to follow the Notorious Bakersfield social media pages. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Pictures related to each episode, including this one, are posted to those social media pages. 
On February 21, 1986, a farmer discovered a body floating in the Arvin Edison Canal near Rock Pile Road. Homicide detectives from the Kern County Sheriff's Office were dispatched to the scene. After scouring the location, very little evidence was recovered. No footprints, no tire tracks, just the body of a young female. She was wearing jeans, boots, and a rabbit fur coat. Through fingerprint analysis, the body was identified as Janine Benatende, a 21-year-old heroin addict who relocated from the Los Angeles area to Bakersfield about a month before her body was discovered in the canal. The last time anyone saw Janine alive was in early January 1986, just before she went out to work, selling her body on Union Avenue. The pathologist who conducted the autopsy determined Janine died from two gunshot wounds to her back. Two bullets were discovered inside her body, but there was only one entry wound in her back, just below her left shoulder blade. The pathologist concluded both bullets entered her body at the same location. Both of these bullets, two 38 caliber semi-copper-clad hollow-point bullets, were saved as evidence. Almost a year later, late on the night of February 8, 1987, a sex worker named Connie saw a young girl working Union Avenue near the El Don Motel on the corner of Union and Bell Terrace. This girl stood out to Connie for two reasons. Connie had never seen her before, and she looked so young, too young to be on the street working as a prostitute. Connie watched as a pickup with a camper shell pulled to the shoulder of Union Avenue. The driver leaned over the seat and opened the passenger door. The young girl appeared to talk to the man in the truck. She pointed in the direction of the Eldon Motel. Connie observed this interaction and watched as the girl hopped into the passenger seat. Since this young girl was gesturing to the direction of the Eldon Motel, Connie expected the pickup would pull into the motel's parking lot. But it didn't. It drove south on Union Avenue. Connie was familiar with the driver of the pickup. She'd spoken to him multiple times, and once had a date with him. The next night, while Connie was working her usual corner on Union, two detectives with the Kern County Sheriff's Office stopped to talk to her. She thought it was going to be a typical cop-prostitute interaction. She was expecting them to harass her. But these two cops were homicide detectives. They wanted her to try to identify a young girl in some Polaroid pictures, pictures of a dead body. They showed Connie the photographs. She immediately recognized the person as the young girl from the night before, the girl she watched jump into the pickup. She described this truck as white or cream-colored with a white and tan camper shell covering the bed. But what else Connie told these detectives was that not only could she identify the pickup, she could identify the driver. 
She informed the detectives the driver was a Union Avenue regular. That girl who was in the Polaroid pictures was named Tracy Clark, a 15-year-old runaway from Seattle. Her bullet-riddled body was discovered in the canal that morning, discovered in the same canal as Janine Benatende's body. Besides their bodies ending up in the same canal, something else Janine and Tracy's homicides had in common. They were both killed by the same type of bullets, and lab tests later showed the bullets were fired from the same gun. The investigation into Tracy's death yielded more evidence than Janine's. Whoever killed Tracy left behind tire tracks and shoe prints, something that was absent from Janine's crime scene. An interesting detail about these hollow point bullets. These bullets are the same ammunition the Kern County Sheriff's Office issued to deputies. These bullets were also sold commercially, so it wasn't solid evidence that a law enforcement officer was involved in these deaths, but it was enough to consider the possibility. Detectives began looking within their own agency. They investigated if any Kern County Sheriff's personnel owned any vehicles that matched the one Tracy Clark was seen entering before she was murdered. They discovered Deputy David Rogers drove a white pickup with a camper shell. With this information and the history of his abusing sex workers, the investigation began to zero in on Deputy Rogers, a married man with kids. Homicide detectives drove Connie around Bakersfield, showing her different pickups with camper shells. She dismissed multiple trucks she was shown that day, but as soon as they drove by Deputy Rogers' house and she saw his pickup parked outside, Connie identified it as the same one she saw Tracy enter the night she was killed. Next, Connie was given a photographic lineup. Pictures of six individuals were displayed on a piece of paper. She was asked if she could identify the driver of the truck. Without hesitation, Connie identified David Rogers from that picture lineup. Detectives inspected the tire treads on Rogers' pickup. They compared the tread to the tire tracks found at Tracy's crime scene. They matched. All of this evidence was enough to convince a judge to issue an arrest warrant for David Rogers and a search warrant for his residence and vehicles. The warrants were executed on February 13, 1987. David Rogers was taken into custody as he and his wife, Joe, were leaving their house to run errands. During the questioning by his law enforcement colleagues, Rogers was relaxed. Relaxed and comfortable. A little too comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that at one point during the interrogation, Rogers leaned back in his chair and put his foot up on the desk, exposing the bottom of his shoe to the detective on the other side of the table. The shoes... David Rogers was wearing, while being questioned, were the same brand of shoes Tracy's killer wore. 
When detectives collected the shoes as evidence and compared the prints to the prints taken from Tracy's crime scene, the prints were an identical match. Another piece of damning evidence. Inside the pickup, investigators found a black canvas bag containing several guns, including a 38 caliber Colt Detective Special. Tests later revealed this gun was the same one used to shoot both Janine and Tracy to death. Turns out this gun had an interesting history, interesting and incriminating. It was reported stolen during a burglary in 1982, a burglary that Deputy Rogers personally investigated. Detectives believed Rogers stole the handgun during the investigation in 1982 and used it to shoot Janine and Tracy. David Keith Rogers broke. During the interrogation, Rogers waived his right to an attorney being present. He confessed to shooting Tracy Clark. He claimed the two got into some type of dispute. He said he panicked when she threatened to turn him in. He pointed his gun at her, hoping it would scare her, but it accidentally fired. Although Rogers admitted to Tracy's shooting, he consistently maintained that he had nothing to do with Janine Benatende's homicide. Later that year, in 1987, David Rogers went on trial for the murders of both Janine Benatende and Tracy Clark. In addition to all of the incriminating physical evidence against Rogers, prosecutors also presented witnesses who had encounters with Rogers. These witnesses alleged that Rogers violently sexually assaulted them. Rogers was on trial for the homicides of Janine Benatende and Tracy Clark. He wasn't being tried for these sexual assaults but the prosecution felt it was important for the jury to hear from these witnesses to demonstrate that Rogers had a history of abusing his authority with sex workers. Rogers' defense argued that the former deputy suffered from ongoing abuse as a child. Mental health professionals testified that this abuse likely contributed to his criminal behavior as an adult. Rogers' attorneys also called deputies to testify regarding his character. These colleagues of Rogers claim the accused killer was a skilled and conscientious law enforcement officer, that the crimes he was standing trial for were hard for them to fathom. The jury found David Keith Rogers guilty of both Janine Benatende and Tracy Clark's homicides. When the verdict was read, Rogers' family wept. Rogers himself remained emotionless. At the penalty phase of the trial, the jury sentenced the convicted cop to 15 years to life in prison for Janine's murder. And for Tracy's murder, that same jury sentenced him to death. David Rogers' wife, Joe remained loyal to him. She told a San Francisco Examiner reporter, quote, In my heart, it wasn't the man I know and love. It was another person. And the one I know and love, 
I'm going to help all I can, unquote. I've been working on this story about David Keith Rogers for some time, kicking it around for a while, trying to decide when to finally cover it. There's been some recent developments in the case that has made me go ahead and cover this story. In 2019, the California Supreme Court overturned Rogers' death penalty. One of the witnesses at his trial in 1987 has recanted her testimony. The Kern County District Attorney had a choice to make. Retry the penalty phase of Rogers' sentence or let the death sentence reversal stand. A couple of weeks ago, the DA chose to retry the penalty phase to seek another death sentence. This trial is slated to begin in January 2023. Resources used, the Bakersfield Californian, CaseLaw.com, the San Francisco Examiner, KGET News, and the TV program for Insects Files. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week.